the show made for moms and families. It's Channel Mom. My name is Jenny, and I'm a mom, but I once lived a more glamorous life as a TV reporter. I was on the nightly news interviewing pop stars and politicians. So when I left TV to become a full-time mother, I quickly found out what we moms are up against. Our world glorifies the rich and famous. For what? I say let's honor the moms who are raising this world's next generation. It's Channel Mom Radio with Jenny Dean Schmidt. We're here for you. Oh boy, are we ever today. I want to welcome all the moms out there. I am Jenny, and this is Channel Mom, where we encourage moms, and boy, could you use some encouragement today. We do focus on the importance of mothers because they are the ones raising up that next generation, and they're doing it in the midst of a lot of fear right now. I guess we're about to uh, have declared a national state of emergency. I'll let you know if President Trump does declare that. And we're going to talk about how to deal with all of the fear surrounding the coronavirus. But we're also going to help you with your child's education. We are in part two of an education series today. Yeah, that's my little attempt at levity, a little bit of music to deal with this difficult day. So today we are going to get honest about what's wrong and what's right in our public schools and some big things that may be changing in public school. Believe it or not, my husband has researched these topics for years as a school administrator, and he's going to join me next right here on Channel Mom after 60 seconds to hear from our amazing sponsors. The Life Center in Littleton is here for you. Whether you or someone you know needs help with groceries, GED prep, finding community, or figuring out what faith in Jesus really means, the Life Center wants to help. Located just south of downtown Littleton, we exist to offer our community practical help and lasting hope. Find out more at lifecenterlittleton.org. Moms are a big deal, but sometimes the world forgets. That's why Channel Mom Media and Outreach is here. We exist to love, coach, and encourage every mom. Whether she's struggling with parenting, single motherhood, homelessness, or locked in prison, on the radio and social media, Channel Mom works to remind each mom of her importance and give her the latest and best advice. We also reach out to moms with our hands and feet, helping homeless and incarcerated moms, as well as moms in the country and mothers in the city. You can join our work by praying for us, volunteering, or giving at ChannelMom.com. It's Channel Mom Radio with Jenny Dean Schmidt. We're here for you. Yes, welcome back to Channel Mom. I do want to be a help to you today because there's a lot going on. As I said, we're waiting for the president to potentially announce a national state of emergency. I'll let you know when and if he does that. I do want to remind you, our sponsors at Life Center Littleton, you can look them up at lifecenterlittleton.org. They do so much for families in need, but they also teach you how to help others who are in need with great training there. So check them out at lifecenterlittleton.org. All right. <clears throat> I also want to give a little shout out to our friends in Barber County, Kansas, as well as Little Rock, Arkansas, and right here in Denver, Colorado on 94. 7 FM. So glad to have you on board. I do hope I can be a help and our guests can be a help to you today. Um, I just want to say something. I, I, I am watching and witnessing something historic going on all around us and, and it's being um, followed by a state of panic. And I see the fear that's going on in our culture. And a pastor friend of mine said the other day, you know, we need to be cautious but not fearful. 
and and I watch as we hoard and we ga- and we engage in political backbiting and we point fingers and there's anger and there's division and all kinds of other things and and people are afraid and I think to myself you know, maybe this is a divine moment. This is a time that we can take advantage of with no sports on our television, no movies to go to, no concerts, empty shopping malls. Honestly, this is an opportunity for us to wake up and go back to what really matters in this country. Super honest. I really believe that. People being with their families, noticing who their neighbors are, seeking help from God. Now, I know not everybody who listens to us has a strong faith in God, but if you do, please choose faith over fear. He tells us again and again in Scripture to fear not and to be strong and courageous, that he's our protector, that he is faithful. Uh, my friend Jennifer pointed out, again, a, a very famous verse in Philippians that says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, so look, if you believe, there's just we, we just can't panic. I, I know this is a tough time. I know people are losing work. I know people are losing jobs. They're worried about money. Their retirement accounts are dwindling rapidly before their eyes. But this can all turn into something that's for our good. I really believe that. So try not to, to worry and panic and, and be afraid. All right, so speaking of making things better today, my husband uh, is here. <laughs> For a minute there, I thought you were going to say, speaking of panic, here's my husband. <laughs> no, no. Good joke, honey. Um, my, tr- my husband is truly an expert on public schooling. Not only has he served at all levels in a number of different states within the public school system, from teacher to coach to assistant principal to principal, and now he's a superintendent, but he's also served on the CHASA Board of Directors and numerous other committees, and he has put in extensive research over the years into what's working and what's not working in our public schools. And he uh, serves his own district very well, in my opinion. So he's going to be honest today. He's not going to try to make it all uh, you know, rose-colored and uh, paint over things. So a big channel mom, welcome to my husband, Mike Schmidt. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. So I admit I'm a little defensive of public school. I've, I have a ton of friends in our first part in this three-part education series that we're doing here on Channel Mom. The first part was about homeschooling. And I had a very passionate woman on. She's an actress and an advocate for homeschooling, Sam Sorbo. And she was deeply critical of public schools. I, I get why people homeschool. I mean, I have a strong faith, and I want my kids to grow up with a strong faith in God. And, and so I get why my friends homeschool and, and why they want to develop certain values in their kids at home. But I'm very defensive of our public school system and the good things that it does. However, let's just start with the bad stuff. I just read a report that 82% of public schools, according to this one researcher, are failing because they're failing at testing and they're not living up to the standards that we're supposed to be living up to in terms of proficiency. So, so when people like the homeschooling advocates say public schools are failing and they aren't good for our kids and relationally teachers don't care about them and things like that, and when uh, articles say that there's 82% failure within our public school system, what do you say to that? Well, I think it, the the good and the bad is that we take whoever shows up at our door, and so we uh, we are going to attempt to do the best for every kid that comes through our door, and that means uh, rich, poor, tall, short, whatever whatever it is. And so, when you, I think when I think we go back to the the term failing schools. Um, if you if you're going to use a one shot test um, in the spring. Uh, not quite to the end of the year, um, and say this is this is what our schools are doing. This one test, um, I think that really undervalues all the other things that public schools do. 
uh, in addition to academic achievement and growth, uh, mental health support, um, providing meals for kids who probably wouldn't get them otherwise. And I think in a, particularly relative to standardized testing, the only thing we've shown that they're good for is to show us who our poor kids are, and we already know that. So there's a strong correlation between your income and how you do on standardized testing. So Yeah, can I interrupt there? Yeah. Because when I was looking at homeschooling last week, they uh, suggested that, that homeschoolers disproportionately tend to come from higher income homes with more educated parents. And so they disproportionately may do a little better on tests than public school kids because you're not incorporating kids that are dealing with poverty. And, and this is not a prejudicial thing when we're saying that kids who are poor do worse on tests or kids that are from broken homes do worse on tests. It's a fact. It doesn't make them lesser people, but they don't do as well on tests, yes? Yeah, it's a correlation. So it's not true for every single right, kid. Absolutely. And, and so it's not, I don't want to uh, get that. I would say the other thing uh, that would most likely be true in, in a homeschool environment would be those kids would be exposed to reading at a much earlier level. And, and um, that's, again, shown to, to correlate with achievement on standardized tests. The earlier you're exposed to reading and the more often you do it as a, as a preschool or even, the, the much better, more likely you're going to be successful in school regardless of where the school is. Um, so I think that, that that particular background probably would lend itself more to, to higher standardized scores. But what I would say to that just shortly is, but then we're just we're just talking about test scores, and I think there's so much more to education, whether it's in the home or in public schools, than than test scores. So what I'm hearing from you is is that a private school or a homeschool environment is more likely to just be a healthier environment. Period. Not always, but but they're they're coming from a higher income. They're coming from parents who've spent more time with things like teaching them reading early on. Um, they're maybe potentially dealing with higher educated parents, whether they're in private school or homeschool, and that could be linked more to why they do well in tests, not necessarily how they're being educated. It's it's their home environment that's feeding into the fact that they're doing well in tests. And public schools have to take on everybody, and and so they can't be discriminating and saying. Well, if you're not from a good home environment, we can't take you in. And then that's where the poorer test scores come in and it can lower. And there's a correlation. It's not a, a de definite causation. But th so that's why public schools are looking worse, because all people are welcome in public schools. Yeah, that one, that particular criteria. Yeah. And I would say the other part of that just kind of uh, probably overlooked is the teacher to student ratio. Yeah. So in the home, you know, you're looking at one parent for their children. Uh, whatever that is, you know, two, three, whatever it is. And in a, a public school classroom, it could be anywhere from uh, 15 to 22 or so in elementary school up to 30, 30 plus in high school classes. So there's an element of that, too. Um, I still say if you've got an effective teacher, it doesn't matter how many kids are in the classroom, those kids are going to do well. But the converse of that is if you have an ineffective teacher, you're going to affect all those kids equally yeah. poorly. Yeah. So. And again, I think with public school, you get you get the good and the bad, and there are a lot of reasons for that. My husband is a charts and graphs nerd, and you will chart out an effective teacher to see how that child does after they've been with an effective teacher over the course of their education, as opposed to ineffective teachers. And really, the teacher can make all the difference and, and, and create a student that can go out and compete in the world. Um, so, But I want to say this. I am more defensive of public schools because you're a public school administrator. My kids are have been in your district, and my kids have done very well. Um, now, that's I, good genetics, though. 
So we <laughs> thank have to factor you. that in. Yes, yes. Our good gen- Thank yeah. you, honey. Yeah. That's a backhanded compliment. It's not just your genetics. It's both of not, ours. Yeah, equally. <laughs> okay. All right. So I am, I'm, it's a disclaimer that I am somewhat defensive of the public school system as we're doing this education series. But I gave homeschooling a fair shot last week. It's because I have a ton of friends that do it and I believe in it. But I don't believe that public school is an automatic fail. So, so let's talk about some of the things that are right about public schools and some of the things that you're working on j- just for everybody out there who's actually pursuing public school because it's the only thing they can afford. First of all, I, I, I too support the parents' uh, right to choose how they want to educate their Amen. kids. So whether, whether it's homeschool or public school or private school or whatever, um, every parent has to decide this is what I want to do for my kid. And so I don't have – um, any animus towards people who choose something else. It's their, their kids. Yeah, right. Um, but I, I, would say, I would say one of the things that we're starting to see more and more of, two things really, is social-emotional support. So we're seeing uh, certainly uh, probably related social media participation, an uptick in um, social-emotional issues with school-age children, whether it be homeschooled or not. Um, and so the public school is in a, in a good place to be able to provide those supports uh, on a daily basis to students who are struggling. And I think that, that there's been a definite improvement in that. Um, I think on the, on the high school side of it, just the, the multitude of opportunities, whether it's online or hands-on or career-oriented, uh, all that's getting uh, increased in t- attention and a lot of schools are working hard to provide students with real-world applications for education whether it's internships or, um, you know, senior projects or um, capstone projects, things like that. So I think those two things in particular are kind of new and exciting in, in the ways even rural schools like ours are going towards. But I, And I've also read, and you've told me, because you school me on these things, that, that you are trying new things with, with academics to, to raise America back up and raise the bar back up to be more like countries that are doing well um, across the globe, like China and others that are testing better than our American students are. And, and you've told me that you're changing things like you would need to reduce standards and you need to have um, – you need to input things like um, guided – What's it called? Guided practice. Guided practice. Okay. Yes. And modeling and demonstrating and things like that. You, you, you're always trying new things in the classroom to help your kids do better as they go into the working world. There's a lot of research out there about what's an, what what makes an effective lesson and what what makes an effective teacher. And I think the common sense part of that 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 correlates precisely with research is that um, if you if you boil your standards down to the things that matter, what's important, and you kind of cut away all the, the frilly stuff, uh, your teacher becomes much more effective. And, and the lessons are more effective and more engaging simply because the teacher has confidence in what they're teaching and they're able to do uh, expose their students to things that are um, vastly more interesting than me lecturing for whatever this, how right. long, long the show is, 21 minutes. So do you believe in a reduction of standards and content for public education to make learning more effective? Distillation, I think I would, I would use instead. So I would say um, reduction seems like, all right, we're just going to... Throw uh, some stuff out. Yeah, and I think uh, distillation in examining closely those standards and choosing, um, hey, this kids really need to know this in order to be successful Beyond us, whatever success looks like, and however you define that for your community. Okay. So I want to get to uh, something kind of nitty-gritty. When I had the homeschool advocate on last week, she 
you know, roasted public schools and said that they're, you know, places, uh, centers for behavior modification, that they're a place of indoctrination. And, and, and a lot of folks that I know that um, have put their kids in private school and usually private Christian schools or have chosen to homeschool um, paint with a broad brush and say, if I send my kids to public school, they're going to have an anti-God worldview. They're going to be told that evolution is not a theory but a fact. They're going to be um, taught things that make them believe that they uh, have to fall away from my political persuasion or my religious persuasion. And, and that they're a place of, and, and, and this is, by the way, not putting down anybody with, with a, 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 a more liberal perspective. But they say, you know, it's a liberal worldview that they, that they shove down the throats of kids in schools across America. Uh, what do you say to that? I mean, I, my kids were sent to school, and we trend a little more conservative, if I'm honest, and, and clearly we're Christian, and, and nothing happened to take that away from my kids when they were in public school. I'm not saying that there's certain, there, that doesn't happen in public school, that kids are kind of talked out of what they come, the environment they come out of. But what do you say? I mean, are, are, are schools bastions of, of behavior modification and indoctrination? I'd say no. And I, th- I would say you picked a great public school for your kids. Yes, so, I sure did. So good job on that. <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, we have a lot of believers on our staff and, and they um, they do their job and they do what they need to do relative to the law. But there, there's no indoctrination. Um, and I think I think most teachers try to be fair. That's not true with every teacher, just like you have good teachers, bad teachers. Good bus drivers, bad bus drivers, and, and in every walk of life, same with teachers. And so some are going to push their agenda more than others. You would hope there'd be fair-minded administrators who would take care of that. Yeah. Uh, but the the bottom line is, I think in a in a, bro- in a broader sense, um, do you always want your your kids to be in a controlled environment? Yeah. Right. And good so, question. Uh, how are they going to learn to to react to adversity or to things that maybe challenges their thinking and um, I would th- think of anything strengthens their faith because they're going to be forced to defend it. Yeah. And um, I think that that part of it is maybe what's missing. And I'm not, I don't want to be so broad with homeschool to say they don't do that. They, maybe they do. Um, yeah. I, I wasn't homeschooled. I was a public school kid too. So, so was I. Um, I would say that to me as a former coach in particular, kids need to face some adversity. They need to figure out how am I going to, when it gets tough, what am I going to do? And um, I think you can structure a homeschool environment a little bit more closely if you if you choose to do so, where that adversity maybe isn't so much. You know, when things get a little bit hard, let's take a break. You know, and and so that, that to me, if we're preparing people for the work world or beyond, that um, that particular skill, uh, learning to to deal with things, is is a public school um, bastion. Yeah, to put it that way. We only have five or six minutes left. But I know your heart as a public school administrator, and I know that you take the fact that it's taxpayer money that is supporting these schools very seriously. So you don't take it for granted. You don't feel like you should be exposing your the kids to one singular worldview because you're representing all taxpayers, and, and so you're fair-minded about it. It occurs to me in times like these, you're having to make a decision today about whether to close your school district because of coronavirus. But you confessed to me this morning that, you know, I or last night you said, I, but I've got to worry about all these kids who depend on us for their daily lunch. It makes me want to cry. And and you are taking care of the least of these among us, you know. And so I think 
when when it comes to public school, it is serving an audience that nobody else can serve, that parents can't afford to put their kids in private school or to homeschool. And and I want to take that seriously. And and how do you view that, where you're bringing together a huge array, a wide array of children, believers and non-believers, poor and rich, um, liberal and conservative, all kinds of things where you're serving them. They're having to learn to um, deal with each other and face adversity and face differing opinions. But you're also taking care of those that nobody else can take care of what do you how do you view that well i'd agree i think again when we talk about we'll go back to kind of your original question which was uh you know 82 percent or whatever you said of schools are failing um i would say just the opposite that uh public schools in particular serve uh the underserved very well so uh we feed them we we nurture them we uh, give them a safe place to go and they don't have that necessarily uh elsewhere so i think that that I think when we start to talk about closing schools and the impact of those kinds of things, it's not just so simply, hey, I want to keep my kids safe uh, because a lot of those kids, they don't, that's not what they have when they go home. They have Amen. the opposite. And so uh, we, we provide that for them. Um, so it's, I feel like it's our duty to try to have that space available as long as we can without jeopardizing uh, the safety of everyone. And, and that's kind of been our stance, and we're a little bit different than everybody else on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're in a rural district, so we we are we, we your school district can do things that others don't. But but as you say that, it does occur to me that um it's a safe place. It's a place that kids can go that they have nowhere else to go and that you are addressing things that other environments cannot address. And also, because you're bringing kids in from a volatile environment sometimes, they're not necessarily going to do as well on tests, and that's going to skew all the tests. But the point is, the 50% of the kids, 60% of the kids, whatever, are going to do just fine. They're going to do well in public school, but you're factoring in the kids that are coming from volatile environments that you're trying to, to serve as best you can. But but that's what's skewing when people say the test scores are bad. That's what's skewing the test scores. There are plenty of public schools who do well um, and public school kids who do well, but but you're having to bring in all factors when you when you look at test scores. I want to give you the last word. We've got about three or four, two or three minutes. What, what do you want people to know about how you view public school education in America, I think that I think uh, most public schools are very well run, and I think they're they accomplish a lot of things that aren't measured in a test score. And I think that the increased emphasis on college or workforce readiness is being seriously addressed by most public schools, and and that's the entire system, not just the high school, um, the end school, as I would call it. Um, but that said, our inputs, every one of our inputs, if you want to think of it in a business model, okay, business model, all their inputs are the same, and they expect a certain amount of efficiency at the end of the process. Every one of our inputs is different, every one of them. Mm-hmm. And to then expect that there's going to be a certain percentage of efficiency measured by test scores at the end of that process is crazy. But how do you think our public schools are doing with the basics, reading and writing and math? I mean, how do you think? I think we're doing, I think we're doing well. Uh, could we do better? Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. That's honest. Um, Next week, we're going to look at some of the alternative schools, learning online, magnet schools, charter schools, things like that. Lots of kids are going to be learning online in the next couple of weeks because... Sounds like all of them. Yeah, schools are closing. Do you have anything to say about how how we should all view that as you you potentially going to close down our school district? Um, I think, again, we, we try to deal in facts. So we try to get the science deal with facts and um, go with the, the advice of the experts. And uh, I think a lot of what's going on is fear-based still. 
Uh, but got to do what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, the research, though, shows that kids are actually um, dealing with more of an immunity and it's not hitting them as in, in such a difficult fashion. It's more the staff that, of schools that would be, that would be worried than, than kids. Yeah, absolutely. I think that our population, uh, for once, is actually the strongest population as far as this particular virus goes so far, as far yeah. as we know. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I think some of it's driven by the people running the show who are like, well, this might affect me. And yeah. so I've got a problem with this, and um, that's why I think a lot, a lot of things have have kind of spiraled in the last couple of days. Yeah, with fear. Husband Mike Schmidt, thank you so much for being on the show with me. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> I know, I know it has. I told our kids to listen. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Anyway, I hope that this has been an informative show to you today. It is our education series. We're trying to take a fairly fair look at all the options for your kids when it comes to private, public, charter, magnet, and homeschooling. And I hope that uh, this is going to give you an overview that kind of informs you as a mom and says, you know, I know why I do this. I know why I send my child to this place. I know I would rather have a different option. I know now why I want to send my child elsewhere. So I hope that we've informed you in that way. Hey, look, let me... uh, just say, you know, I'm not overlooking the fact that this is a scary time. Okay, I, I get it. But I just would ask you to, to try to, for the sake of your children, exhibit more faith than fear and, and be a calming force for the sake of your children. Look, you, you impact the whole world by raising your children up well, this next generation. I always love to thank you at the end of the show. I appreciate you, even if the media doesn't, even if others aren't thanking you, even if your kids forget to thank you. I'm here to thank you for all you do. Please remember to support us at Channel Mom. You can pray for us. You can get involved in our outreaches to prison moms and to moms who are homeless and to moms on the ground and moms in churches. So check us out at channelmom.com. You can also donate to keep us on the air, to keep us serving moms all over the country. I would be blessed if you could do that. So God bless you. Stay safe. Stay well. Have a beautiful weekend. If you enjoy what you hear on Channel Mom Radio, and if you believe the media should be doing more to support moms and encourage families, then why don't you come alongside the efforts of Channel Mom? We'd like to offer you our partner package today. We'll send you a Channel Mom's Best Tips for Moms, as well as a beautiful bling t-shirt when you sign up to be a partnering monthly donor at ChannelMom.com. We live in a world that demeans the importance of moms and belittles the value of family. Research shows the family is breaking down in America. But Channel Mom aims to stop the family breakdown, starting with the moms. We depend on our donors to help us, to put this show on the air, and to do outreach for mothers on the ground, supporting them in their parenting, marriages, addiction issues, and more. So become a Channel Mom partner today and be a part of the change you want to see for mothers and families. Just go to ChannelMom.com and click on Give to CM, and you'll see our donate button there. From the moms at Channel Mom, thank you. And may God bless each mom and her family.